It was 1998. I mean, 1989. Y'all, I really think that I'm going to start off every podcast <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was 1989 the spring of april 5th look at look look listen okay i'm done it's too early in the morning for this y'all it's like eight o'clock in the morning and i'm just i'm just too awake um <laughs> this is picking up the pieces podcast What's up, y'all? Y'all back? Y'all back for part two? Okay. Yeah. Did y'all come back to hear part two? Okay. Okay. That's cool. Well, let me tell you something. I lied. Um, I'm not doing a part two. <laughs> I'm lying because I am doing a part two. But this is what I decided to do. Uh, for y'all who just got scared, like I know she did not play us. No, listen. Um, I want to break these down into series because I think that if I break them down into series attach the issues that I gained from that particular story or situation is going to help my viewers and my followers um, better understand um, what it looks like, right? Certain um, aspects of life, like abandonment issues, where do they come from? Rejection issues, where do they come from? Codependency, where do they come from? People pleasing, where do they come Like These are things that I want to be able to break down to you to explain to you exactly a, a real scenario that actually happened to me um, and how, um, you know, what was the end result after going through a situation like that and how did I overcome it? So that's, that's really what I want to do. So, um, yeah, y'all, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Let's get into the podcast. Let me say this, right? Um, within the black community, we tend to hold on to all of our family secrets um, because we don't want our family to look bad. So let me have a disclaimer. I am not making these episodes to paint a villain. I am not making these episodes so that um, you can understand who the bad person is in my family. I want you to understand that we are we were all dysfunctional at one point in time. I just decided that I didn't want to be dysfunctional anymore. So I did some things. I've said some things you're going to find out as you listen. Um along with things being done to me and said to me, right? And I think that um, it reminds me of, I don't know if you've, you guys ever seen Queen Sugar, but when Nova had wrote the book about her family, right? And Nova was a writer. She was a journalist. I'm pretty sure she went to school. Um, you know, yeah, she went to school for it. So she understood the psychological part of it. And a lot of Black fa- and her family acted a fool, like, that's not your story to tell. And ap- that is absolutely true. But she wasn't telling their story. She was telling her story from, from her perspective. And they just so happened to be a part of it. It wasn't personal. It was, um, it, it wasn't personal. Do you understand what I'm saying? But I think that a lot of Black families have a difficult time hearing the truth of the matter that this family is messed up. These things need to change. We need to break these curses and pathologies off of our family. We can't keep holding secrets about who the rapist is in a family, who the abusers are in a family, who have who the verbal and, and mental abusers, who are the narcissists. We can't keep holding on to this and hiding people because when as the accountability coach, you understand, y'all know what my title is. I I, I teach people accountability. We cannot keep going around and not holding holding these people accountable and trying to keep them safe. We just can't. 
and furthermore, I'm not gonna even lie to y'all. That's that's none of my business because my story is my story. I'm writing a whole book about my story. My story is going to free a lot of people. So although I'm no, nah, let me stop lying. I'm not worried about what my family gonna say. <laughs> and that may sound so, you know, bad. And why don't she care about what her family gonna say? Because my life is mine. For 30, for 30 plus years, I lived my life with my family. I did what everybody else wanted me to do. This is the first time in my life I've learned the sound of my own voice and that I am doing what I want to do for myself. And this does not pertain to how other people may feel. And I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with you not talking to me again. Baby, I'm gonna survive. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be all right. I promise you. Like, life is not gonna end because you don't like me no more. I don't, you know. The only thing this is going to do is all of that stuff that that people sweep up under the rug baby i'm i'm removing the entire rug like i said i'm not saying no names right um i think i think nova actually used names and hugs you know but a lot of people within the black community and within the black family do not want to face the fact that this family has issues we have hot we have hid them we have hid the rapists the molesters we have protected them for years we some of y'all still going to the family union talking about that's your uncle child hug your uncle knowing damn well this uncle done touch your sister like we are still doing that as if it is okay as if we are not causing more trauma i refuse i refuse to let these generational curses pass pass be passed down through my children or my grandchildren you can kiss that demon goodbye do you understand me? And people are like, oh, you isolate your kids. I do not isolate my kids, but do I do I um I do worry or I do care about who I have them around. It took me a minute to understand this. I do care about who I have them around. I don't want my kids to be around somebody who's talking negatively about me and I'm not and I'm not there. My son is 15. He 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 damn sure will fight you at this point. At this point. He's 15, about to be 16, well over five foot six. He like five, seven, five, nine. He will fight you over his mama. Now, why would I place my child in a situation or let him go see or speak, be over a family member's house that does not like his mother, where he's going to hear people talk about his mother? I will never do that to my child. Right. And this is why I also tell my children, not everything, but everything that I think that, they, that everything that's relevant. Like my kids know that I've been molested by family members. They know which family members they know, um, which family members, um, brought on my self-esteem issue. They know, they know all of those things, right? Because I just refuse to keep letting generational curses continue. Look at this generation. This generation is literally the embodiment of secrets on top of secrets on top of secrets. And you thought that this stuff was not going to catch up with the generation. Look at this generation of ch children. They barely know their parents. Don't know nothing about them. My kids love me even after me telling them all the things that I've done, apologizing to my 15-year-old about how horrible of a parent I was the first 10 years of his life. All of that. And I found out I was a horrible parent through my 15-year-old because he told me I was a horrible parent. Um, see, that's another story. Like, so I'm not just getting on here, you know, I don't want, you know, family to think that I'm just like trying to expose, but I, I, I'm sick of hiding. I'm sick of acting like, Hey, this didn't happen. Um, I'm just not there anymore. I'm just not there anymore. Okay. So this episode specifically is going to be about toxic parenting. Are y'all ready?
Disclaimer, another disclaimer. Listen to me, listen to me well. I love my mother and my father. I know for a fact that my mother and my father did the best that they could with what they had. I was raised by two broken parents and I'm a collateral damage of two broken parents because two broken people are only going to raise two, bro uh, you know, broken children. That's the only thing they could raise. They, they didn't have anything else to give, right? I want you to understand that um, I, I love my parents. They weren't, nobody's on this planet is perfect, but you know, this is just my story and this is my take and this is my narrative and I'm going to put my professional opinion on it because I do have an understanding as to why this even happens and why it happens more um, frequently within the black community. So let's get into the podcast. This episode is called Toxic Parenting. I am going to be touching on the toxic part of my parents. I am also going to be talking about the toxic part of how I parented my kids at one point in time. Okay. Do you understand me? Y'all about to be all up in my business, but this is fine. Cause, um, when people like, Oh, y'all get on here and y'all tell all y'all business. It's not that see I'm if I, anything that I am speaking freely and open about to the world, I want you to know that I'm over it. I forgave myself. I've forgiven that other person. It, this ain't gonna bother me. If somebody come back and be like, girl, you know, her child did say this to her. Cause she, she was just a horrible pit. Like I, this not gonna bother me. Okay, because my kids absolutely adore me. I, I don't really care what somebody has to say, you know. And as for my parents, my, my parents were absolutely adored. We absolutely loved them, regardless of how many mistakes they made. Because that's that's a, that's just what the, ch the, the children and the parents do. You love your parents regardless of how many mistakes they make. Okay, so I, I could care less about, you know, if I'm speaking about it, it's because I've healed from it. And we've gotten over that point. Okay, so um, I'm going to tell you some things that I picked up from my parents that made me a toxic parent. Um, so you heard the first part of my story. Now I'm going to get to the second part. Okay, we're going to do this toxic parenting part first. And then we're going to go to part three, which is going to be, you know, from the age of 18 up to like, I'm going to say like 25, 26. I'm going to do 25. Yeah, I'm going to do 18, 25. Because child, baby, then was some rough. Well, um, so yeah, you heard a little bit about my story earlier in the um, podcast, podcast number two, episode two, but this time I want to highlight some things that I did not specify in that one, right? So I was the product of two broken parents. Excuse me. My dad um, dropped out of school early because he got... Um, they they got him on a murder that he did not do. Eventually he got out, but he spent like, I want to say two years in jail. They came and grabbed him up out of school. You know what I'm saying? So he never finished school. Another thing about my dad is um, my dad couldn't read or write. He was illiterate, right? But I also want you to understand this. Um, my dad wasn't supposed to live past the age of five, right? Because he had a very bad disease where he was... He couldn't walk. He couldn't talk. So a normal five-year-old is running up and down the stairs, acting a fool. My daddy did not do, he, he, did, he wasn't capable of doing that. Let me tell you, let me tell you what happened with that. Okay. The line of women that I come from, you about to find out the power that I hold when it comes to prayer and, 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 and touching heaven. Okay. Cause I, I possess the same exact manifestation power. My dad couldn't, 
walk, talk, do anything that a normal five-year-old child could do. So I, I don't know the story exactly. So if my family members hear this, y'all know I don't know the elders' names as well as I should. That's something I need to probably like <laughs> get together. But one of my grandmother's sisters, if I'm not mistaken, if it wasn't, I want to say, no, it wasn't her sisters. I think it was one of her aunts took my dad in the room and prayed over him for seven days and seven nights. The next time my grandmother saw her child, her child was running out of the room. Now, I've seen this on many occasions where I've seen these women, <clears throat> these 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 um, Gula and Geechee women. I mean, Gullah, is it Gullah or Gucci? Y'all, let me tell y'all something. You know you know where you come from, but you don't know the proper terms for it. That's called the hood. Uh, <laughs> is it Gula or Gullah? I think it's Gullah and Geechee women have a prayer power that is that, that I promise you, like, like, like they go through Jesus because they, because they want to not because they have to, that makes sense. Like Jesus is like the middleman to God basically. But if they, but, but when they want something done ASAP, they can go directly to the plug and he's going to answer it and get it done. I've seen it happen. Right. My dad's um side of the family, like the, the, the sisters and the brothers, um, my grandmother and her sisters and brothers, they were well off. All of them were homeowners. Um, all of them had businesses. All of them had, you know, like they were very well off for them to be the descendants of slaves. Cause my great grandfather, if I'm not mistaken, still worked on the plantation, although he was getting paid at, by this time. Cause slavery was technically quote, quote, was slavery over Jesus. I need to go back. Cause if my dad was born in six. My grandmother had to be born in. Y'all, I don't know, child. That's a good. But my grandmother, the first ever life she was on the plantation, they ended up moving up north um, to the um, surrounding areas of outside of Chicago, this area called Rockford. It is not Chicago technically. But I know a lot of people who haven't been to Illinois don't understand these little cities. I don't understand because I live in Texas and just it's just like, like Houston to Pearland or Manville or, you know, Lake Jackson or Freeport. Like, it's like, I don't understand why people don't understand it. Because see, like, Freeport is technically not Houston. But people going to be like, yeah, I live in a Houston area. I don't know. I don't know why we be putting that stuff together like that. That is not our place. We just be, we be, we be doing whatever we want to do with these maps. But yeah, so um, my dad's generation will be the first generation that never stepped a foot on a plantation. Which means that my generation would be the second generation that never stepped a foot on a plantation. I've never been on a plantation, right? My grandmother grew up on a plantation. I'm not sure if they were slaves, if my grandmother was a slave, or by this time, my great my great grandfather, which was her dad, getting paid at the time, and they just decided to stay stay there because at the time that's all they knew, right? So um, yeah, so these women are very powerful. Okay. Um very, very powerful. So my dad wasn't supposed to live past the age of five. My mother, um, her mother and father did not raise her. My great grandmother um, adopted her. And this is my native side of the family. <laughs> the best of both worlds, baby. Um, this is my native side of the family. So this is um, th these people. Uh, my great grandmother was very tall, high cheekbones, smooth skin, um, beautiful hair, right? Beautiful teeth. All of these things. I don't know. Native just got a genetic coding that's just, 
I don't know, child. Um, that's just magnificent. Like my mom, when she died, she had all her teeth in her head. All of them. I think my granddaddy, he had most of his teeth in his head when he passed. He was like damn near 80. Like, I don't genetically, I'm cool. Like when when I get old, I'm probably not gonna look old. Like my granddaddy was older, but he didn't look like he was in his damn 70s. He still looked like he was like in his 50s. He was a good looking old man, right? Um, so <laughs> Um, yeah, my grandfather did not raise my mother. He provided for her. He provided for her very well, but he did not raise her. My great-grandmother did that. Um, so my mom suffering from abandonment issues because, of course, she wasn't raised by her parents. And I don't care. Let me tell you something. I don't care what your parents do. Every child wants to be in the house with their parents unless something dra drastic or tragic, tragic happened. But... As a child who didn't get to grow up 100% with my mother and my father, I always wanted to be with my mommy and my daddy. So you can suffer from abandonment issues with that. So my mom had abandonment issues. My daddy had abandonment issues because his daddy wasn't there at all. So not only did my, my daddy wasn't taught how to be a father, my mother wasn't taught how to be a mother. Okay. My mom meets um, my my. I call him my stepdad because technically he's my daddy, but <laughs> he's not my biological daddy, but that's pops. Okay. But um, he met, she met my um, oldest siblings dad before she met my dad. Um, so she had my two oldest siblings before, way before I was even thought about. Okay. She didn't even know my daddy existed. Okay. Um, and she grew up in Southern Illinois. So she's, my mom grew up very Southern ish. Okay, so we have a lot of those principles. Me and my siblings have a lot of those principles and morals. For us to be city kids, we have the values and the morals of Southern folk. Okay, it's just it just is what it is. Like we wasn't Southern folk, like walking around barefoot, that kind of country, but because um, we were still city kids, but we had the morals and the values of Southern people. Um, so yeah, my mom had her first child at sixteen. She graduated high school, went on to college for a little while. Um, then she meets my dad after she has her, I think my brother had to be like one or two. Um, when she met my dad, or I, you know what? That's a good question. I need to call the next one. I don't know, cause I wasn't here. But I know she ended up, of course, meeting my dad. Um, and here come the last five of her children, which was, it goes in order from a sister, my older brother, me, and then my two younger brothers, um, which is they might like, my brother above me is technically my younger brother, but sometimes I forget that I'm the big I'm the big sister because he be he be act like he older than me, and I don't like that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so my dad wasn't supposed to live past the age of five. Now my mom, um, by the time she got to me, my mom was technically not supposed to have a fifth child. My mom was very high risk. She was only supposed to have maybe three, possibly four, right? So I'm the fifth child. I came in full, healthy, and ready to talk some mess, okay? Um, I came out with no hair. I didn't have no hair now. Like, eczema has never been my best friend. We've been fighting for 33 years. And sometimes, you know, eczema be winning the fight. Like, sometimes you could tell that I lost. <laughs> eczema be whooping me sometimes. You could tell that I lost <laughs> this fight with this hair battle. Uh, um. So, yeah, I I look at myself as I'm not supposed to be here because my dad and my mom were never supposed to meet because my dad wasn't supposed to live that long. He was supposed to be dead by the age of five. Um, 
but he didn't. My dad lived to 63. And the stuff that he overcame within those 63 years versus the way he passed is the craziest damn puzzle and riddle for me. It don't make sense because my dad was, it's crazy. So in between time, in the meantime, in between time, I do want you to understand that I want, I had a great father. Um, I had a conversation with one of my male friends yesterday and he was like, how can you say he was a horrible husband, but a great father? I wouldn't recommend him as, as a lover or a husband. I wouldn't because I seen what my mama go through, what my mother went through. He beat my mom. He beat up on my mom. Often. They fought often. Disrespected her by calling her out of her name. Often. We've seen it, right? So this is where toxic parenting comes in at. So although he wasn't necessarily toxic to us, directly to us, because when I spoke to my dad, my dad didn't really raise his voice like that. He didn't have to. He would get down on your level. If you were in trouble, he would get down on your level, speak to you especially his girls in a way that a lot of people didn't have. My dad would rock us to sleep at night. My dad would tuck us in. Like, so when it comes to that dynamic, it's like he would go from husband when he was a husband, he was horrible. But when he was daddy, baby, he was that. And he was good at it. <clears throat> you understand me? So I know people don't understand the dynamic of that's just like, you don't show up in your mommy clothes to work. You show up in work mode at work. You don't show up in work mode as a mommy, you show up as mommy. So you, you, although you carry the same personality and the same morals and ethics, you show up in a different uniform, depending on what setting and environment you are in. And my dad was good at it. He was very good at it. Um, so, so like, I just want you to gain an understanding that you can be horrible in one area, but great in another area. Now, the, the messed up part about this is because the first part of my life, I was with my parents. Um, the, the messed up part is kids are like sponges. So although I felt like I had a good daddy and I could trust him and I talked to my daddy about everything, like when, you know, I lost my virginity, when I had my first boyfriend, I would call my daddy. I would call my daddy, <laughs> period. Okay. Because my daddy was a judge-free zone. He never judged me. He never, he was just a safe place for me when it came to my secrets or things that I just didn't want to tell my mama. Cause my mama was a little aggressive. She was on the aggressive side. Um, <laughs> she, she was one of them. Uh, so when it comes to that, like, you know, my dad showed up more for me in the places that I needed than my mom did. So like, I would look, I remember when I was uh, started to play the piano and I told my dad, my dad instantly went out and got me a keyboard. He bought me my first keyboard. I have no idea where he got that money from. Well, he, of course, he was a street dude, you know, um, but <clears throat> he got me a keyboard. He also would, I didn't know at the time, but my dad came to most of my recitals. Like, so a recital is when, um, you know, you play an instrument and then the person who is teaching you puts, to, puts together like a whole little thing, right? And you come and play the piano in front of a lot of people. Y'all used to practice for hours a day. The discipline I had as a child is probably why I have the discipline I have now as an adult when it comes to working and getting stuff done. Because listen, I wasn't about to mess up in front of all them people because I had people pleasing issues. So we gonna get to the people pleasing too. But my daddy used to show up to my recitals, y'all. I remember seeing him and he would show, I don't know, because he would always call and be like, what time, this and that. And he'd show up to wherever it was that I was at. I don't know how he got there. I just knew that I would see him in the back. 
my mom was always so dang on busy that she never, she came to one recital, y'all. Do you know how many recitals I had? I played the piano for 10 years. Do you know how many recitals I had? I can count on one hand how many times my mom showed up. And I'm going to tell you, she only came to one because she was always too busy. Right. And at this time, I did not understand because she had seven children. Uh, um, you know, she was still taking care of my daddy because my daddy was a drug addict. Right. So still doing for him, even though they didn't live in the same house at the time. But she just was she just didn't show up the times that I needed her mentally. She was a great provider, though. Like when it came to clothes, shoes, uh, um, hair, I had that. Bedrooms, plush, house, plush. Everything we had around us, it looked like we looked like money, you know? So providing-wise, she was excellent. But she just wasn't a good mother, if that makes sense, right? She didn't know how to put on her mommy hat. She could only put on her business hat. I got to do this. I got to do that. So a lot of things that she could have showed up for, she didn't. And I remember my daddy being there for the things that actually mattered to me. Um, and that's no like shade against my mom, but y'all, she didn't know. She didn't know nothing else. Her dad did the same thing to her. My granddaddy was a good provider. I, I know because I lived with him all the way up until I was 17. I know for a fact he was a good provider because I know what he did for me. So I know buying clothes, making sure you look nice, making sure you look presentable, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he he had, my granddaddy had that down packed, but she learned it. That's where she learned it from. Because he would drop off boxes of clothes to her. She had mink coats as a child. I had a mink coat too. Um, <laughs> I had a mink coat at like, what was I, like 14? I don't even think I was 14. I want to say 12. I remember when I got my first trench coat, child, you couldn't tell me nothing. And I don't know if y'all know this because whoever listened to this, if you if you're not no millennial, you don't know how bad, how much, how expensive a trench coat was in the in the damn early 90s. That was an expensive ass coat. Okay. I had one. Okay. I had the one. I don't know what I think. What did they get it from? Macy's or something? Ain't no telling what kind of name brand it was. I don't know. I didn't know I didn't know nothing about name brand. I just Hell, I still barely look at price tags because that's something I need to work on, too. But, yeah, so my parenting, my parents weren't necessarily on purpose trying to be toxic or not be there. I think that. So, yeah, my mom and my dad would fight on a habitual basis. Like it was consistent. Um I remember childhood was just so violent. It was just so violent. Now both of my parents are Scorpios. I don't know how they thought this was gonna this, this was gonna work anyway. Uh, <laughs> literally they only a few days apart. No lie. Um but you know it was consistent where if my mom wasn't beating up on my daddy, my daddy was beating up on my mama. It was very toxic. So although I had a good father, he also displayed to us how he treated my mother, right? So imagine what will happen to a child if they see their mother getting beat on, on a consistent basis. Now, as a child, you are going to normalize this as love. You're going to normalize abuse as something that's a part of a marriage or relationship. Because right along with the abuse, right, I will see my parents stepping or dancing in the living room to music. Like they had moments where I could see that they absolutely loved each other. It was a point in time, y'all, they used to wear the same matching outfits with the same hairstyles. I told y'all my daddy had uh, 
had long hair. So <laughs> back then, of course, men was wearing finger waves and you know, uh roller roller sets. It was a thing back then. So it was a point in time like they were so close and so in love with each other, like they would wear matching outfits. But I remember them stepping in the living room. You know, they used to throw these crazy, crazy house parties, y'all. They used to be lit. Some of them, most of them ended with fights, though. Um, we'd be upstairs, but we can hear the commotion. Or, you know, you how you peek down the stairs um, as a child. When you know you're not supposed to be peeking down the stairs, hoping that don't nobody see you. That was me and my brother. Uh, <laughs> that was me and David. <laughs> Looking down to see who fighting now. Um, but, yeah, so I, I picked up on that part. So, as an adult, I began to date men just like my daddy. My friendships look just like the relationship I had with my mom. I would, I would like, this is how I want you to understand about, this is what I want you to understand about how things will follow you. Like, whatever happens within the first 10 years of your life is the most critical time of your life because that is the adult that you will grow up into being. That is where your decision making will be based off of all of these things, right? So imagine this is this is all before the age of five, right? I grew up dating my dad. What I mean, I grew up dating my dad. Every dude that I've ever met had a trait or a a a, a consistency of my daddy. I know I'm not the only one who's ever dated her father. I believe that pe women who have great fathers all the way around, like if she's seen her dad be a good husband and not just a great father, I believe that those kids come out differently. I really do. And I could be wrong. This could be a reach. I could be stretching a little bit. But I'm just saying, I just believe that they come out differently. So I grew up loving abusers because my mom was abused. She loved my daddy. So I'm guessing this is just how it go, right? When I moved out of my parents' house, that toxic environment, and I got with my granddaddy, my granddaddy was toxic too. As a male, how he treated women was horrible. He was a habitual cheater, just along with my dad. Like my mom literally got, she literally, every man she dated was damn near a representation of my granddaddy. They were habitual cheaters. She, but she, and when I mean all the way up until she died, she couldn't get out of it. So she just ended up stopped dating, period, and was by herself because um, she just couldn't figure it out. She couldn't figure out the fact, you know. Cause she was a daddy's girl, but she ended up dating her daddy as well. I ended up dating my daddy as well. I don't know about my other sisters, but they probably did too. But I was dating Danny over and over again. I remember this one relationship I had. He was so much like my daddy. It was scary. Cause my daddy was calm, cool and collected. He never really like, I never really seen him get out of character in a way where he had to raise his voice. I remember my dad would wake us up because he had a music room where all of his records and stuff were um, was at. And then it was these big speakers in there. Um, he would just be in there vibing, smoking, drinking his beer, vibing. I had a dude that did that every morning and it scared the shit out of me. Because I'm I, at, at that moment, I'm like, what the he had a, the, the man that I was dating had a music room. He would be down there with his little wine cooler, dancing by himself, grooving. I'm like, get the hell out of here. But he was also, um, I'm not even going to say emotionally abusive. 
but he 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 had he had some of the similar narcissistic traits that my daddy had. I just wasn't aware of it. Um, I just wasn't aware of it. Like he wasn't a bad narcissist though, because you know there's a such thing as good narcissist, like some that's not horrible, and then there's some that's horrible, horrible. But he wasn't a bad one. Um, so yeah, what I learned from my dad was men are going to abuse you if they love you. This this is a form of toxic parenting, even though it wasn't directly. Um, something he taught me directly and verbally. Um, he taught me visually. Okay. I grew up to be that. I grew up to be my mom in so many different ways. Every guy I've ever dated has been toxic for me in some way, shape or form. And I knew it. I knew it. I grew up being my mom because my mom, I think my mom got with my dad because she just wanted to help him. She wanted to save him. I think she stayed with him for so long because she wanted to save him. She really thought that my dad was going to change, but my dad was a narcissist. He wasn't going to like he he never changed. He never changed. I'm not I don't want you to think that this is just my dad died. That way, he he never changed. He never cared about what somebody what somebody else thought he should do. He he lived his life for himself. Um, yes, he had kids, but like I, I promise you, like he nothing, nothing ever changed. And my mom left this earth before my daddy. But after my dad, after my mom left, I knew my daddy wasn't going to survive on this planet long without her because they was connected in a way that 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 a lot of people, a lot of people never get get that level of connection. I knew this. I knew that he wasn't going to last long without my mom and he went downhill fast. Um, But, yeah, I learned from my dad that you love your abusers. It's OK for him to call you out of your name. It's OK for him to raise his voice at you because what he displayed to my mom, he didn't. He, what how he treated my mom he didn't he didn't do that with me but he did it to my mom so i'm thinking hey this is a marriage they look they look you know some days they look happy but on some other day like you get them like that's really like you teach your kids kids will follow what you do not what you say i'm at 33 i'm just now starting to take the advice that my parents have been giving me throughout the years i'm just now learning to apply the advice and not do what they did it took me 30 years to to do this okay remind you i had a, i had my baby at 18 so for the first 10 years of his life baby listen he 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 got the version of my mom that i had now i wasn't addicted to drugs or anything my addiction was men i was addicted to relationships so i had i had um a multiple to a multitude of men around my around my son and at one point it was, you know, both of my children, but my youngest son, we're going to get into that. But okay, the trait, the toxic parenting trait that I learned and I took on from my mother was put yourself last. Whatever that man needs you to be, you be that. No matter the abuse, no matter about anything, you take care of him, you cover him, you protect him. No matter how abusive he is, no matter how horrible he is, you protect him. That's that's the toxic trait I learned from my that had to be the most toxic shit. Because listen, that is not something you teach your daughter. And it's not even on purpose. Like I said, my daddy didn't teach me directly. My mom didn't teach me directly. But uh, sitting there watching your mother get beat on every day and stay, you now normalize that because this has been your environment for at least five to six, seven, eight years. You normalize it. This is normal, right? 
it'll be different if my mom had left my dad what she did got with another man that didn't do the same exact thing my dad did but instead what she did was get left my daddy got with another man that did the exact same thing literally literally now it's, it's even more normalized because every man you ever been with and i only see my mom with three men in my life um and this is not including like my stepdad, my older siblings' dad, because I wasn't around then. But the I only seen I only seen her with three men ever in my life. If she was out here in these streets, baby, she was discreet, she was discreet with it. I never saw it. Um, so I didn't pick up that trait from her. But my addiction was love, right? But she taught me that my self worth was lower than it should have been because my mom literally tolerated verbal abuse, mental abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse on a, on a, on a broad spectrum of her life. So I learned that and I normalized it. So imagine the adult that I grew up to be. Can you imagine? Do you, do you got a picture? Do you know what kind of mother I ended up being because of this? Oftentimes we walk around, we like, we're not going to be, I'm not going to be nothing like you. And you know, I, I don't know if y'all ever said it, but I said it to my mom. I'm not going to be nothing like you. I'm going to be better than you. I'm going to be a better mother than you. And did it. Baby, but then when the child comes, let me tell you something. <laughs> when the baby actually touches earth, okay? When that, when that human being actually is pushed through the portal into the living space, this 3D world, something happens that you never expected. A baby is not a damn baby doll. You have to be mentally ready to care for another human being, to raise another human being. So I remember, I'm not gonna say that my parents made me suicidal. I'm gonna say that their absence of not being around, um, some of the words that my mom would say to me, my mom, my mom was very verbally abusive um, to, I don't know about my other siblings, but I know to me, she was verbally abusive. She could cut you down and make you feel small faster than anybody I knew. And I mean fast. So when I was in her presence, I always felt small. Always felt small. And it was her way or no way. So I started to parent that way. The same verbal abuse I went through, I did to my son. For the first 10 years of his life, I, I we got whoopings as a kid. So any kind, anytime we made a mistake, there wasn't a conversation being had about the mistake. We just got to ask whoop. Now, my dad, my dad, on the other hand, he would sit down and have a conversation with you about what this punishment is for. And it would be in, in a soft tone. I don't know if, it, I, let me tell you something. This is my experience with my daddy. I don't know what everybody else got, but I also was the baby girl too. So, you know, he probably did. <laughs> treat me differently but my dad didn't have to yell at me to get his point across did my dad whoop me absolutely but i don't know I, I just think my daddy could do no wrong in my eyes because of the way he handled it it's not what you do is how you do it and my daddy did it in a way where if he hit me or if he whooped me with a belt or something i didn't take it personal but when my mama hit me girl i took it personal 
I thought that lady was crazy because she would she would be hollering, yelling, screaming, verbally abusing you, your stupid ass. And like those things start to take a toll on the child, regardless if you think it think so or not. And I did this with my oldest son. I did this with my oldest son. I was verbally abusing him on many occasions, beating him for every not beating him, but whooping him for every mistake that he made versus sitting down and having a conversation with him. So the very person I was throwing all in her face while she was on this planet that I wasn't going to be like I ended up becoming. And I had an addiction and it was men. I literally would put men before my children. I mean, not my children, my child. I, I put men before my child. And you're going to be like, girl, why would you say that? Because it, it is what it is. I can't go back and change it. Had I had I had a conversation with my son already. I apologize for everything I did wrong. You know, it, but it was one point in time. So when we moved south, when we moved to Texas, and I, I had I, something that happened. He was acting out, and I couldn't figure out why. So I always, I always wanted to blame my kids' fathers for not being present as to why they were acting out or where they got their abandonment issues from. Let me tell you what I learned: abandonment issues. You can feel abandoned with somebody right there in your face, y'all. I was present every single day. I'm not even gonna say present. I was there. I was around. They saw me. They knew me for the for the most part. But obviously I wasn't present, right? I did not know my kids well enough. I did not. But when we moved to Texas, my son, that, that same suicidal demon that showed up and knocked on my door, at the age of 11, it showed up and knocked on my son's door. Now, this is a different, as a parent, this is a different battle that we have to fight because the you don't care about demons approaching you. But when that same demon starts to knock on your child's door, now we got a problem. I want you to know where the shift in my life happened. And it took 10 years for it to happen. It took for me to move to Texas, get away from everybody, um, you know, and just really begin to work on myself because this is when I begin to work on myself. Y'all, I was cussing my son out per usual. And I mean cussing him out, verbally cussing him out. And he snapped. He's he's going to his teenage years, right? He snapped. And I said, just because your daddy not here and you need to fix these abandonment issues. Like you got to like I was cussing him out, not telling him anything that he really needed to hear. And he snapped and he was like, you always blaming my daddy. My daddy not here. My daddy not here. You are the reason why I just want to go jump off a bridge somewhere. Y'all. Y'all. If you want to know what started my shift indefinitely where I wasn't going to be going backwards. This is the moment. My son told me he was having suicide. Cause after that, I'm like, wait, what? He's like, I have suicidal thoughts. Like, I don't like, you know, I want to commit suicide. I don't want to be here. Like you, you are horrible. You talk down at me. You call me stupid. You call me names. I don't want to be here. He said, not only do my daddy not give a damn about me, you don't give a damn about me. It broke my heart. That broke me down in a way that I didn't, I did, I, I didn't, I didn't know it. This was 2018. 2018, y'all. I started I, after this. I called my mom crying. I was boohooing, crying, bawling, crying. She's like, "What?" I said, "I ruined my baby. The last thing I wanted to do with this miracle child of mine is ruin my child." 
Because now in that moment, I realized, damn, I, I just became my mom. And of course, I called my mom. It's not too much she could tell me because she didn't even know how to deal with us when we were going through that stage. Right. But you know what I did? My job was offering their uh, therapy. Paid and free. Every Tuesday and Thursday, my job would offer us therapy where a, a therapist, a few therapists would come in or I mean, not come in, but they would give us, you know, they had a few therapists on that we can just go see for free and they pay for it for an hour. Let me tell you something. My boss at this, uh, my job that I got here, that I had here in Texas for like three years, the coldest man I know, he would, he would never get a bad review from me. Like if anybody be like, should I work at this? Absolutely. Cause when you get up out of there mentally, when you get up out of there mentally, you won't be the same, not just financially, but mentally, he's going to change your mindset. And I, I started going to therapy. I started to unpack all of these things that I was dealing with. I didn't know until 2018 that I had mommy issues. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had no idea. I had mommy issues, abandonment issues, codependency issues. I didn't know how to be alone. So that's why I would go from relationship to relationship for the first, you know, 10 years of my adult life. Like, I, I, that's what I did. I didn't know. I couldn't see myself. This is why we need mirrors. Because you can see everybody else's flaws in the room. The one person in the room that you can't see is yourself. That, that's why we have to face ourselves and look at ourselves in the mirror. And I'm, I'm talking about really look at ourselves. Hold ourselves accountable. In 2018, I started therapy because that demon that came in out of my I was I refuse. Till this day, I'm fighting them. I'm fighting every last single one that think they're gonna show up in my child. And I pray over my children. And I, I I I I listen. I refuse for my child to have to have the same emotional trauma that I had because I'm unaware of what I'm doing and what I'm saying to him. So I got, I became aware. I started reading more books. I, I turned off the music. I started reading more, po I started listening to more podcasts. While I'm listening to these podcasts, I'm writing down notes. I'm reviewing these notes. I still have these notes. I have notes for the last five years of my life in a big binder that I can go back and look at and just read things that I wrote down, quotes that I've come up with, you know, to keep me focused and, and, and to, to keep me moving forward. I have all of these things, a big binder full of them. You see how quick I became my mama? Not only did I become my mama, I was dating my daddy. So not only was I toxic, I would have my kids around toxic men. Because I didn't know no better. So if I didn't know no better, coming from a broken home, toxic parenting, this now gave me an insight as to my parents didn't know any better. Because in my head, for the first 10 years of my life, I was doing the best that I could. I was a damn good mother. I was a good mother, so I thought, but I wasn't. My son got a mother at the age of 11. He's about to be 16. Now, he has a mother he can be proud of. Now, if he has an issue or have a question, he's going to come ask me. Because I learned by myself reading books, listening to podcasts that I had in order for my kids to feel safe, I had to create a safe place for them to thrive in, which means a safe place can't be a safe place with a toxic mother. 
which means that I had to let go. I had to unlearn and let go of everything I thought I knew and relearn. Yep. Yep. That that's some deep stuff, ain't it? How your parents show up in you and you don't realize it. How you literally become the very people that you said that you weren't going to be like. How you were going to be a different parent. Oh, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to treat my child like that. But if you don't have a blueprint of what it looks like to be a healthy mother, how can you become one? I started getting around healthy mothers. Yeah, I did. I started getting around healthy, whole healed mothers. I started looking at the mothers in the Bible. I started reading my Bible every day. I started, like, even with Instagram or Facebook, I started to follow mothers who I admired, their, you know, their mother and children relationship. I started to watch and mimic what they did until I came up with my own solution with my kids. I, I took parenting classes. <laughs> I started to read books about parenting. I started to educate myself on what it looked like to be a healthy mother. And I, eventually I became one. Literally. So before you go talking about somebody else's toxic parenting, I want you to know that you may have an area in your life. If you just decide to ask your kids one day, how am I doing as a mother? How am I doing as a father? And really give them the floor to say and express what they want you to know. That is where you grow it. I check in with my kids once a week. Is it something I need to work on as a mother? My son told me recently, Ma, you got to hurry up and get a car. Because I want to start going out on our on our mother-daughter dates. I mean, our mother-son dates. I miss going to the movies and us having a good time or going to the arcade. Like, mama, like, sitting in his house ain't it. Like, we need to do something. Like, I think that you need to start spending more time with us. I don't like your job. He hates my job. Because he, he feel like I shouldn't be working. I really shouldn't be working a job with all the talents and skills that I got. But I am. But, you know, I check in with them to see what else I can work on and vice versa. We sit and we have family conversations, things that I want them to work on. You know, my son this year, I promise you, because we have these conversations and I don't force my kids to be anything for me. Right. There's nothing that they can do to make me love them more. Like, I, oh, you got to go get good, good grades because it's going to make me look bad. No, if you get bad grades, sir, I want you to know that's you. You make you look bad because it's not that I'm not teaching you, you know, to be disciplined and, and, and love yourself. I'm definitely teaching you how to be disciplined and love yourself so that you should want to go to school and get a good grade so that you can get a scholarship and get like if this is a life you want, I think you need to fight for it. But that, that ain't on me. Right. I teach my kids this. Promise you this year, every day for the last two weeks, y'all been asking my son, did you meet anybody today? He's like, Mama, I told you this school year. I'm, it's not about me making friends. I'm focused on my schoolwork. I have stuff to do. I didn't come up with that for him. That's something he decided to do for himself because we sat down and we had a mother and son conversation. Okay, du okay, Dwayne, what can we do to make this better? Because the grades last year were bad, right? You have to take two um, freshman classes this year. What are we going to do to do this? I need you to come up with a solution. And when you come up with a solution about what it is that you need to do to get back focused, come back and tell me. His solution is his friends were a distraction. So this year, he ain't doing it. He came up with that. He came up with that. Now, if this was my mother, she would have been telling me the solutions on what it is that I need to do versus allowing me to know, understand and listen to the sound of my own voice. And so that I can learn how to make decisions for myself so that, you know, I will have the discipline and in, in, in the respect and love for myself that I needed. But she she didn't know how to do that. 
she she had no idea what it is like I, she she does not understand like i remember when i when she passed she just didn't understand my parenting why do you let them make decisions because i'm not going to be here one day when my mom died y'all i was 30 do you know how lost i was because that's the person i went to for everything prayer mama should i do this do this sound like a good idea to you i had no idea what the sound of my own voice looked like or so, i mean sound like I had no trust for the decisions that I made. The only person I trusted in was what my mama was going to tell me to do. My kids are not going to be like that. These are forms of toxic parenting. If you do not teach your children how to make decisions for themselves, how to set up consequences when they fail in the area so that they can uh, you know, not fail again. Uh, if you don't teach your children how to do this, they are going to be lost when you die. I have a few siblings that are still lost. Because my mom was literally our world. We went to her for everything. This is a form of toxic parenting. You don't like you don't prepare your kids for the fact that, hey, I'm not going to be here. So this you got to figure this out by yourself. And I'm not saying I'm just going to let my kids tremendously fail in front of me. Right. But at the same time, I need you to want to do it for yourself. This is not about me. Your future has nothing to do with me. Your future, your future has everything to do with whatever it is that you want to do as an individual. Because when I'm dead and gone, yo, that's your future. My life is over. This is for your kids and your family, whatever you got going on. It ain't about me. Y'all, in 2018, I became a mother. That's all I'm trying to say. And it took me 10, 11 years to figure out that I, I wasn't even a good mom. A lot of a lot of women be on here, I'm a good mom. No, you're a good provider. You're not raising no kids. You're just buying them a lot of stuff. Baby, I just learned how to raise my kids five years ago. And I'm talking about raising them, like checking in with them. I ask them every day they get home from school, how was your day? They tell me it was bad. Okay, how can we fix this so this won't happen tomorrow? I, I, I coach my kids and I teach my kids. I raise my children. I have phenomenal freaking sons. Whoever, whoever daughters decide to get with mine, they're going to know what covering feels like because of what kind of kids that I'm raising. But what if, I what if my son never told me that I was the reason he was suicidal and it never clicked to me that I needed to change everything that I was doing? My mom was not a good listener of her children. I became a better listener. I became a listener. I listened to my kids. My kids are free when they at home. Hell, they free when they outside this world, outside these walls. They can be whoever they want to be. And they're not scared to do it. My kids are not going to be able to be in chaotic environments. Like People be like, why your kids don't go outside? My kids are allergic to chaos. They don't know what that is because at home, they have nothing but peace. Every time they go over somebody's house, they be like, "Mom, it's just it'd be too much drama over there. They be over there fighting, arguing, drinking all the time. I don't want to go over there. And I don't let them, I don't make, I don't make them go. But my kids like peaceful environments. Period. So I don't know, y'all. I just told y'all most of my business, but this podcast was really about toxic parenting. And like I said, I love my mother and my father. They did the best that they could. They gave me everything that they could, everything they had. You can't ask somebody to give you something that they do not have. And my parents didn't have it to give. So I became the very person that I needed as a child. And this is why we're here. So that you can gain a different perspective 
on what toxic parenting looked like. I didn't know I was a toxic mother. I thought because I was there and I was buying him nice clothes and shoes and stuff that I was a good parent. And I know it's a lot of people out here listening to this podcast right now. You think you're a good parent because you get because your kids got the latest Jordans. But where are their morals and their integrity? Do they have any ethics to go by? Do your sons know what principle and character is? Those are the things that we need to be thinking about. Those are the things that matter. Those are the things that when your child go out into this world, that is what they will represent. That is what they will present. You, We have to teach that, not clothes, not shoes. It's way bigger than that. And my son taught me that in 2018. We going to the quote of the day, y'all. Okay, so here we go, y'all. The quote of the day is, and I really want y'all to think about this, right? Toxic parents care more about how you make them look versus um, how you make them, how they make you feel. I'm going to read that again because I messed it up in the beginning. Um, Toxic parents care more about how you make them look more than they care about how you actually feel. That's the truth. Most parents literally push their expectations of what they think their child should be doing, should be acting, should be doing this off onto their children. Whole time, you're not even understanding that your child is an individual. They are an independent individual. Did they come out of you? Were you the portal um, of life? You were the portal for them to get into this world, but they are going to leave your house one day. They are going to go out on their own. And I think that we need to understand as parents that our expectations versus what they want for themselves do not go together. I have no expectations of my children. I expect them to be exactly who they are. If you want to go to great, if you want to go to school and fail, I want you to know that that's you are creating that future. It has nothing to do with me as your mother, because I'm teaching you, I'm trying to train you to go the opposite direction. But if you decide to, if I'm telling you to go to left and you want to go right, I'm going to let you go right. I'm all about allowing you to get your lessons. Right? But as we have to understand, it's not about, oh, you making me look bad as a parent. That's the worst thing you can even think or feel because your children are individual. Nobody can make you look bad. That is what society tries to get you. If your child walk outside and her hair don't look the way it came, you don't know what that child done been through. That child probably could just came home from school and y'all stopped at the store. Now you look like a parent that don't care about your child because somebody is in their business, in your business and not mine and they own and they don't know the story to why your child looked the way your child looked. If you want to buy your child shacks from Walmart, you got the prerogative to do that. Maybe you living within your budget. Maybe you can't afford Jordans, but this is what we do as a society. So I just want you to listen. I'm going to say it one more time. Toxic parents care more about how you make them look more than how you actually feel. Is your child able to feel around you? Or do you just care about how they make you look to other people? Food for thought. I love y'all. Make sure you subscribe. Write a comment in the section part below. Jesus, I can't talk today. Write a comment in in the comment section, please. Leave me a comment. Leave me your feedback. Like I told you, I'm open to criticism. What you think you want me to add to the podcast? Because this is still a very new podcast. So if you want me to add something, 
Um, I'm thinking about adding questions that people be asking me. So just like, you know, hit me, hit, hit the, hit the comment section and, you know, put some down there for me. Okay. So I can go back and read it, but I thank y'all. I love y'all. It is nothing but gratitude for all the people who decide to listen to my podcast and listen to me rant and speak, but I love y'all. I hope y'all learned something today and I'll talk to y'all later.